Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mikey intern Ned Reynolds in the studio on a Tuesday morning. Usually we save our bad news for Mondays, but uh, we got to talk about what happened on Tuesday. Yeah, this was a significant passing for Springfield sports fans, especially old-timers, because George Frazier was a key part of the Springfield sports legacy and so forth and so on. George passed away yesterday at the untimely age of 68, living down in the Tulsa area. I think specifically Broken Arrow, if I'm not mistaken. But be that as it may, he's a guy who really was instrumental in some of the great baseball programs we had in this town. Springfield Hillcrest, under Dick Birmingham back in the early 1970s, champions. I had two state championships, but they were in contention every year, and George Frazier was among those who was so instrumental in their success. There were others, Kelly Snyder and Bobby Dethridge and Keith Drumright and James Barrett and Dave Rothermel, just, just to name a few. The cement, of course, was Dick Birmingham. But George Frazier was included in that group. Outstanding pitcher, went on to the University of Oklahoma, starred for the Sooners, and then was drafted. Actually, he was drafted three times. It was the third time in which he, he finally hooked on in the major leagues in 1978, pitched for the Cardinals for a couple of years, and then went on with the New York Yankees. And he had, he had a checkered career with them, including a World Series record of three, the only relief pitcher ever to suffer three straight losses in a World Series. But he, he handled it with great aplomb. George is a great guy, wonderful personality, terrific interview, and an individual who lent himself to the public, and he did so every time he was back here. I haven't seen George or hadn't seen him in, in several years, but a terrific individual. So after his career was over, he ended up with the world champion Minnesota Twins in 1987, and I can remember fully well and <laughs> being down on the field doing interviews, and I had arranged with him uh, for our 6, uh, which would be 6.20 a.m., p.m., I should say, our hit from the World Series, and it was game number three. Well, his manager, Tom Kelly, refused to let him go down there until 6.25, and by then we were off the air, and he was nothing but apologetic. He said, Ned, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. He was that kind of a guy, a, a true, literal major ligger. Well, he was, as I mentioned, very personable. He had a great uh, rapport with the public, and he was very quickly brought in as a TV commentator. He was on the Minnesota Twins, or with the Minnesota Twins for one year, with the Colorado Rockies for almost two decades as their color announcer, and on the various baseball shows on television. He just was very quick with the comments, and a very smart guy, and a really brilliant individual in terms of assessing baseball. But over and above all that, a really good person. This is just, this is so hard to believe that George Frazier is, is gone now at 68. It says a brief illness. I'm going to have to assume that was some kind of a cardiac episode. I don't know that, but that's simply an assumption. But George, this is just, just very, very mind-boggling, number one, and very sobering, number two. We're all here very temporarily, and this happened way before it should for George Frazier. George Frazier leaving us at the age of 68, just a really instrumental part of our sports scene. And uh, while he didn't live here, he simply was one of us. And uh, you say that phrase, one of us, and that was something I was going to talk about, is that we are really rich when it comes to the sports scene here in this area, but it's really close-knit and it's like a family. So, um, yeah, well, sorry about your loss. He was with the Yankees and the Chicago Cubs. He just around Major League Baseball for 10, a little bit better than a decade. 
but he didn't forget his roots. And his family, many of whom are still here, was, he, he came back to visit them. It, it, it was a legacy with him. It was part of his being. And uh, he always made himself available every time. They, he's just a good guy. Well, um, you know what? It's another lesson I try to teach my kids, or at least my older one. My youngest one probably doesn't understand it. But that is, uh, we're in the whole zone of getting a summer job right now. And I'm trying to explain to him, look, jobs are just an ch- exchange for your time for money. And your time is the most valuable thing you have. Because you don't know how much you have. And you can't get it back. I tell you what, Cardinals might not be having the greatest season they've had in a long time, but I will tell you this: Jordan Walker is having so far a pretty damn good season. You better not touch him. He's a no, real no, no. talent, and he can do an awful lot. Not just hit. He's learned to play defense pretty well. Not a defensive guru yet, but he has learned, and he's he's a, he's an athlete. And he's a good guy. He was a good guy down here with the Springfield Cardinals, and he'll continue to be a good person. Uh, that's And that's who you want to see succeed. Well, the Cardinals have made it three straight now. They were behind 5 nothing to the Washington Nationals, but the Nationals are not a very good baseball team, folks. And they don't have a lot of good component parts. Cardinals quickly erased that deficit and won by a score of 8-6. to six. I think that's how the Cardinals, if they get back to winning on a regular basis, that's how they're going to have to do it with big scores because their pitching can't stop anybody. Brendan Donovan at a three-run homer in a four-run fourth inning, and the Cardinals hold on to win by a score of 8-6. Three games now, three in a row, three wins. They are now 13 games below the 500 mark. Hey, it's, it's still achievable, and the playoffs are still achievable. This is the National League Central Division. If the Cardinals were in the National League East, they'd be buried. They'd be 20 games out of first place right now. And if they were in the West, they'd be 18 to 20 games out. But in the Central Division, there are only seven games out. Hey, anything can happen. Now, there are many teams in front of them, but I wouldn't sell them short. Cardinals get a win, play the Washington Nationals again tonight, and then tomorrow afternoon, and then head to Mario London Town to play the Chicago Cubs. Hopefully they can keep winning, man, because if they want to make anything out of this season, it's uh, pretty much go time from here on out. College Baseball World Series continues, and we had some more winners yesterday. Who were they? The doubleheader in Tennessee and Wake Forest are the winners. Tennessee knocks Stanford out of the competition, beat Stanford 6-4 in an elimination game. All right, the Tennessee Volunteers move on. In the other win, which was a battle of undefeated teams, Wake Forest and LSU, Wake Forest is the number one team in America. They were, I think they're 52-10, and 53-10, uh, and 10, a magnificent record. They scored in the last of the eighth inning three runs to come from behind and beat LSU 3-2. So Wake Forest remains undefeated. They are the number one team. Oral Roberts plays today in an elimination game. The Oral Roberts Golden Eagles will play Texas Christian again. They beat TCU earlier and now get a chance to play them again in an elimination game. Winner stays on, loser goes home. That's the way it is at the College World Series. Winner stays, loser pays. All right, a Missourian is suspicious of the recent golf merger. He wasn't the only one. Well, this this (laughs) time it's significant because of his status. This is Tom Watson who is an eight-time major winner. He is a Missourian. He's from Kansas City. He went to Stanford and played golf there. And, of course, his legacy on the PGA Tour is is remarkable. Eight major championships, including three of them in the British Open. Tom Watson has written a letter 
He wrote it to the commissioner, Jay Monahan. He duplicated the letter, sent it to the players, and then sent it to PGA fans in general, questioning why why did this decision take so long and why was it held in secret? The decision, of course, is the merger of the alleged merger of the PGA and the Live Tour and why it evolved in such a way. And what are some of the what are the questions? Nobody seems to want to answer them. And that really, I think, therein lies the problem. The reason is that there are no answers. They haven't solved all of the problems yet. I'm of the opinion, and I think this is shared by many, that the reason this deal came up is because of lawsuits. There were so many filed by each side. The PGA said, hey, we can't afford all of this. So let's just come up with some kind of a collaboration. The Saudis, while they do have seemingly unlimited amounts of capital, said, hey, yeah, that's fine with us. Just let us have a say in what goes on. And that's, that's what they're trying to do, get a, get a hold on the American sports public. And it's called sports washing. But be that as it may, hey, if that solves the problem, then do it. Anyway, Tom Watson wants to know what the story is, and I think he's going to make it public. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. But uh, it's kind of a scary thing if you can look at uh, other countries like in European football and stuff like that where some of that money gets pushed around. They're paying players almost a billion dollars a man. So uh, scary stuff either way you look at it, Ned. Have a great day.